0: Good morning, good morning, church, and uh, what a great day. It's a beautiful day outside, a beautiful day in here as we worship our God together, a new day of life and new opportunities. And this morning, we come to the conclusion of a really amazing series. We've been in this great series called Come What May, and we've been studying this Old Testament book of Ruth. It is one of the most powerful and captivating love stories of all time. And so we've seen the twist and the turns, and we've seen the raw emotion, we've seen the ups and the downs, and last week we saw the romance, right? You know, we see it all contained here in this story, and today we come to the end, so we come to the conclusion. So today is kind of the rose ceremony, okay? So this is kind of the whole thing in Ruth chapter 4, and we get to see what really happens and how it all plays out today. Now, if you've missed a week, let me just give you a quick recap kind of fill you in on what's happening. Ruth chapter 1, there's a guy and his family, and they're living in Bethlehem. His name's Elimelech. And they're right in Bethlehem. They're in the center of God's will, in the promised land, and things are going well. And then all of a sudden, they hit a road bump, right? There's a famine in the land. And instead of sticking it out and saying, hey God, we're going to trust you, he says, hey, pack them up. We're going to head over to Moab. And you're like, Moab? Right? These are the sworn enemy of the Israelites. But they Head over, So he takes his wife, Naomi, his two sons, Malon and Kilion, and they head over to Moab. And while they're in Moab, his two sons marry these two Moabite girls. And so now all of a sudden, they've got these Moabites in their family. Well, then there's this 10-year period where uh, Elimelech dies, so Naomi loses her husband, her two sons die, and now Naomi's off in a foreign land left with two Moabite daughters-in-law. And Naomi goes, I'm going home. (laughs) I'm going back to God. You know, we left, we went away. I'm going back to Him. And one of her daughter in law, Ophrah, she says, No, forget it. I don't want to go back. I'm going to stay with the little g gods here in Moab. But the other one, Ruth, says, Hey, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. And your people will be my people. And your God, big G, will be my God. I'm going with you. I'm going to the God of Israel. And so Ruth chapter one ends with Naomi and here Ruth the Moabite standing in the square in Bethlehem after being gone for 10 years and there's Naomi there and she said, you know, I went away full, husband and sons and I've come back empty. But there's this great line at the end of chapter one it says the barley harvest was just beginning. There's something bigger happening here. Hold on. Then comes Ruth two and Ruth two, you know, here's Ruth, she gets to work. Right? She's having to provide for Naomi and take care of herself. And so she's going and picking up scraps. She's going out during the harvest time. And, and God in his sovereignty, so I, he says, you know what? When you come into the land, hey, don't harvest to the edges of your fields. Leave some for the poor. Leave some for the forgotten. Leave some for the hurting. And, and so she's over there. She's picking up scraps and she's taking care of me. It. It's like God's provision in the Old Testament. Kind of like tithing today. You know, Hey, build some margin, the first 10% goes to God and Ruth's there and she's picking up and she just happens, right? Coincidence, not really, it's a God incidence, but she just happens to be in the field of a guy named Boaz who is actually a relative of Naomi's. And Boaz just happens to notice her and says, wow, look at her. She's taking care of her mother-in-law. She's got amazing character. Hey, kind of protect her and watch out for her. And so we end Ruth 2 with Naomi, you know, and the daughter-in-law living together, just trying to get by, just trying to make it. And then we come to Ruth 3, which we were last week. If you missed last week, Go back and watch it or listen to it because it gets a little spicy here, right? Because Naomi, the scheming mother-in-law, kind of goes, all right, Ruth, it's time to move forward. You know, Boaz, he's been checking you out. I've watched it, you know, and I know you have it too. So, So tonight you take a bath, put on some perfume. That's what it says, actually. You wash, put on some perfume. You know, you get dressed up and you go. And at the threshing floor, when the harvest comes in, you go and you just lie down at his feet. And he'll tell you what to do. And you're like, yeah, right. You know, so, okay, here we go. And she does. And she lies down at his feet. In the middle of the night, he wakes up. He's like, who are you? And she says, I'm Ruth. Will you cover me? Will you cover me? It's cold out here. Will you cover me? But what she was saying was, will you marry me? Will you take me in? And Boaz, being a man of character, says, hey, I think you're amazing. But but you know what? There's another kinsman redeemer. There's one closer in line. And, And we gotta give him a shot. That's the only right thing to do. And we end last week in Ruth chapter three with Boaz going, man, I care about you. I love you, but I've gotta wait and see what this guy's gonna do. And he gives her all this barley. She takes it back to Naomi and just pours it out. And they're like, have never seen this much barley in their life. And Naomi's going, just wait. Boaz, he's gonna step up to the plate. I know it, you just wait. And so we left off last week with this, you know, old boyfriend kind of showing up like, who is that guy, you know, and Boaz going, wait, we got to see what he's going to do. And we left it right there. So what's going to happen? Let's find out today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Ruth chapter four. Ruth chapter four, Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, those first five books, and then Joshua, Judges, and then we're in Ruth. Ruth. And it is so good. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bibles in the back. Love for you to take one, put your name in it, and follow along with us. So here it goes. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. So the town gate is where all the business took place back then. It was kind of the town hall. And so Boaz gets up early in the morning. He's sent Ruth home, right? Nothing happened there. He sends her back to Naomi and he goes and he's waiting at the town gate for this guy to come by because this guy is the next in kin. He's closer related to Naomi. He has the right or the opportunity. And then it's Boaz who's next. And so Boaz is sitting there as the guy comes walking down the road and he said, Boaz said to him, come over here, my friend and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Now, this guy's just kind of, you know, bebopping along, ooh, you know, going in to do to work or whatever, and Boaz is like, hey, buddy, come on over here. Come here, come here, come here. Come sit down right here. And Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. So Boaz has this whole thing scripted, right? He's got, oh, I got these 10 elders. Hey, guys, come on over, you know? <laughs> I mean, they just happened to be here. It worked out great. You know, come on over, guys, sit down. And so you can picture the scene, right? And everybody like in town is starting to go, hey, what's going down at the town gate? You know, something big is happening because the 10 elders are there. And now here's Boaz and there's this other guy sitting there and and Boaz kind of looks at him and he says, you know, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring that matter to your attention. And suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, and I will do it now. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Now you can imagine the scene, right? I mean, you got these 10 elders here, you got Boaz, you got this guy here, you got this crowd around that are watching what's happening and going on, and Boaz just lays it out for him. And back then, land was everything, right? I mean, you, you, you cherish the land. You own the land. I mean, God had given the tribes the land, and so it stayed in your family. You wanted land. And Boaz goes, hey, man, listen, Elimelech, when he left, he sold the land, and now Naomi has come back. And when she came back, she could redeem the land. She could buy it back but she's really poor, she's a widow, she can't afford it. So listen, will you step up and do that? Will you step, and if you don't, I will. And I think the whole crowd is listening and they're kind of going, what are you doing, man? You're just kind of setting it up on a silver platter for him. I mean, imagine that Naomi and Ruth have kind of snuck around the back, right? And they're back and they're watching this, they're going, Boaz, fight for us. What are you doing? You just kind of laid it out there for him. And the guy responds, I will redeem it, he said. I'm going to do it. I'll take it. Yes, I want the land. This is great. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. The guy's like, I'll redeem it. And Boaz goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. By the way, one other little detail. One other little detail. You get Naomi, right? And Naomi's... She's older, she's great, but she's past childbearing years, so I mean, that's okay. But you also get Ruth the Moabite. You notice how he throws that in there? Ruth the Moabite. And, and she's young, and she can have more children. And by the way, you might want to think about this, but it, once she starts having children, then that's going to be the land in Malon's name and not yours. And the guy's like, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, what's going on here? And at this, the guardian redeemer said, well, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. He's like, hey, wait a minute. Then all of a sudden, all the other land's gonna come into that guy's name too. Wait, wait, I can't do it. Now, in the earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Uh, See, back there, they didn't have Lawyers to go over and sign this 200 pages, you know, and initial here and all that. They just took off a sandal and they go, Hey, here's your sandal, right? Here's your sandal. You got it. I'm giving you the sandal. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. You buy the land because then you get Naomi and you get Ruth. You get everything associated with the land. And now you can kind of hear the music starting to crescendo coming up, right? Then Boaz announced. To the elders and all the people. Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kileon, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with this property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses exclamation point. At this point, you know, there's confetti cannons that go off and everybody's jumping around and celebrating. You can imagine Ruth comes through the crowd and jumps into the arms of Boaz. And then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. You remember Rachel and Leah? And they were the ones that had the All the sons and the 12 tribes of Israel. May you have standing in Epaphareth and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. So everybody says this blessing over them. This is an exciting and amazing moment of grace and redemption. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Now I want you to notice something there. Every time you see a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer in the Bible, it's always an adult. But right here it shifts. It's about the child. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. Now right here it could stop. It, it would be just this amazing, amazing story, right? Right? You can think about the curtains closing and, and, and Naomi holding this child like any grandmother would, right? Once Naomi gets a hold of the child, Ruth's not mentioned anymore. Have you noticed that? Like, <laughs> Ruth, thank you. I got the child now. I got the baby, you know. And you picture Naomi holding this precious baby. And you see this incredible story of, in Ruth chapter 1 of, of God redeeming. I mean, the, the death there, but now the life that continues on. But there's more to the story. It's not over. I remember several years ago, Lisa and I, we went on, a, went on a date and we had dinner and we had a babysitter with the kids. And then we went and saw a movie we were trying to figure out which movie. We went and saw Thor, okay? So we go to this movie and we see Thor. It's like when it first came out, you know, we watched it. It was like, okay, the movie's over. The credits started and I'm like, okay, let's go. We, so we, we leave and then we get home and Lisa's online and she's like, hey, wait a minute. There was more to the movie. You made me leave. And there was the kiss afterwards. What You made me miss that, you know? And I'm like, I didn't know, you know? But if you've seen Avengers movie, there's, there's always something more. There's a bigger story. There's something happening. I was like, we had to go. The meter was running on the babysitter, you know? We had to get home. So she's like, hey, I know, but I missed this part. Don't miss this part. Naomi's taking care of the child. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wow. Now remember, this is taking place in the time of the judges, where there is no king, where everyone does what they see fit in their own eyes. But God was doing something bigger. God was bringing for them the greatest king in the Old Testament, David who was known as a man after God's heart. And you're just thinking, whoa, wow. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. And Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. The real hero in the story, you guys, is God. God was doing something so much bigger than they could have ever imagined. God was saying, be obedient and trust me because there's something big about to happen. If you're taking notes today, I want you to see some things. I want you to write these down because this is so important, so important. I want you to see this first of all. God wants a relationship with all people. God wants a relationship with all people. Notice Naomi, she grew up around the people of God. She grew up there in Bethlehem, but at some point she wandered off, right? She went away. She went to Moab with her husband. And, but when all that stuff started falling apart in her life, she immediately said, I'm going back to God. I'm coming back home. But Ruth did not grow up as a child of God. She grew up as a Moabite. You know, And maybe for some of you, you, you've grown up in church, but maybe in your life there was a time when you wandered from God and, and God's drawing you back to himself. Maybe for others, you, you didn't grow up in church. You didn't have Christian parents, but man, God has brought you here and invited you into something bigger. And yet these ladies both committed their lives to God. Both of them committed their lives to God. I want you to see that God is inviting you into his story. Maybe you felt like an outsider looking in. Maybe you feel like your past, hey, I made too many mistakes. No, you don't let your past define you. Let Christ define you. You come in and say, God has a plan and God has a purpose and I'm following him. God has invited you specifically by name into his story. Here's the second one is this, allow the Lord God to fill you, allow the Lord God to fill you. Uh, Naomi and Ruth came to Bethlehem empty, but God blessed them immeasurably. Remember them standing there in Bethlehem, and and you can imagine Ruth thinking, I'm a foreigner, I've never been to this land, these people hate me, what's going on? But God just poured out his blessings on them. So often we run after the things of this world to fill us. I mean, how often do we think, if I just had more money, my life would be better? How often do we pray, God, if I could just get this deal, if I could just get more money, or if I could get this car, if I can get this stuff, or if this relationship works out, or if this works out, then I'll be fine. Hey, it's not those things that are gonna fill us because the fact is it's never enough. I've never met anybody who says, I got enough money. got it, met it, done. I got enough stuff, I got enough things. Got enough houses, I got enough cars, enough. No, it's never enough. But God is the only one who could truly be enough for us. He's the only one who could fill us. He's the only one who could be the joy and the hope and the peace that we so desperately need. Your obedience to God, I want you to see this, impacts generations. It impacts generations. And so often we just think about right here and right now. We think about getting through this day, but your obedience impacts generations. Ruth made a commitment to God and to taking care of her mother-in-law. I mean, this is a big deal right here. I mean, Ruth is like, hey, I'm committed to God. Your God will be my God. And she had this commitment, right? She put a stake in the ground. I'm following God, come what may. But she also said, I'm gonna take care of my mother-in-law. Many times, the greatest work God is doing through you is happening at home. Many times the greatest work God's doing through you is happening at home. A lot of times we wanna be out front, we want the big flashy thing, we want the big deal or the corner office or we want whatever else, but but listen. God is working through you at home. How are you in your marriage? How are you with your kids? How are you taking care of your parents? How are you taking care of your in-laws? You know what Boaz noticed about Ruth? Man, she's taking care of Naomi. You know what the women said about her? Ruth, (laughs) you're worth more to Naomi than seven sons. Look at the way you care. Look at the way you love. And number four is this. Where there is God, there is hope. Where there is God, there is hope. And guys, You may feel like you're in Ruth 1. Maybe you're here today and you just feel like, you know, where's the hope? Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like Naomi and Ruth standing there in Bethlehem just going, God, my life has been a train wreck and everything seems to be falling apart. Where's the hope? Or maybe you feel like you're in Ruth 2. You're just trying to go through the motions, just make it through the day. Or maybe you feel like you're in Ruth 3 and you're waiting. God, I'm waiting, you know, for a godly spouse. I'm waiting, you know, God, for you to provide. God, I'm waiting, but I want you to know this. Ruth 4 is coming. (laughs) Ruth 4 is coming. The best of your life is still to come. God is at work. God is redeeming and restoring. Hey, God is not finished with your story. And where you sit today, you just go, God, you're not done with me, and I want to live my life for you. I wanna be wholly committed to you. I wanna invest in the things that matter, God. I don't wanna miss it. And maybe when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but today, I'm an adult. I wanna go forward in you. And God, you've placed me in the family, I'm in. You've placed me in the community, I'm in. You've placed me in the church, I'm in. You've placed me here for a reason and for a purpose. God, use me for your glory. God, I'm yours. Because where there is God, there's hope. I want you to watch this right now. This is Scott and Kathy Kuhn, who are are some of our good friends, and I'm just so thankful for them and for their life. But I want you to hear a little bit about their journey and about their story.
1: became very disconnected and you know we got to year 10 like we don't we don't even know how we got here we don't even it wasn't one specific big event it was just this culmination of little events that then progressed into bigger events and as I look back on it back in our lives in those first 10 years I I honestly can't think of any fruit from my life back then we had gotten so Far off from God's design for marriage, and we didn't even we didn't even know how we got there, nor did we see any way out of it. But just just let's just drop this and um, and move on to something else.
2: And I remember one night um, we together had made a decision that we needed to spend some time apart. And that i should go stay somewhere else and there was a level of hopelessness in my life at that point that i have never experienced
1: when i woke up that next morning and he when he was gone and um i went to wake the kids up and i went past each of their rooms and i thought how like how are we going to tell them that that we're not going to be together. God gave us these kids to to love and and to point to Christ and we're not doing that. And on my way to work that morning, like I just knew God, I could feel God working. He was working so hard on me to get my attention. And I just I started sobbing and I pulled over on the side of the road and I was very bold with God. I'm like I'm, I'm so far away from you. I, I don't. I've tried to fix this. I can't fix it. I don't see any way out. I don't even. I don't even know if I want to fix this at this point. But if you can, God, I, I give this to you because I've got nothing. I have nothing left. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna give this over to you and. In that day, God was—he was my last stop, and we—and we say so often, like He was our last stop when He should have been our start. I
2: didn't sleep very well that night, of course, and the next day I got in my car and drove to work, and I called Kathy, and she said, "I want you to come home," and it was the first time in months and really maybe even years that I saw this glimmer of hope and it it changed the way that I responded to her and more importantly it changed the way that I interacted with God. And honestly until we we reached bottom, until I reached rock bottom, that's really when I began to grow my relationship with the Lord.
1: definitely started to get better very quickly once we made the commitment like we're in this like God we have hope because of the Lord and God has shown us both that we have areas um where we need we need work and at that point it was we're we're in this, and we're, we are willing to put forth um, whatever effort, whatever work that we need to do to repair this marriage and walking in obedience to what God has asked us to do.
2: Very quickly, we went from being on opposite teams to being on the same team. Like, that changed almost immediately. That changed the hopeless feeling into a glimmer of hope, into maybe more hope, and pretty quickly to say, but we're gonna do what it takes. And, and we were both willing to work hard to do that. that. That changed quickly and was, was really a, a culture shift in our home and our family and our marriage.
1: When our lives began to change, when, you know, God was changing our hearts and changing our marriage, He was also changing our parenting.
2: Before we had kind of the, the bottom out moment, we were, it was a transactional thing. Did we go to church? Check, if not, eh, maybe we'll go next week. And then it became a, a more legitimate faith issue of, we don't go to church to so go to church, we go to church because we're obedient and we want to worship and we want to connect with the Lord and we want to, you know, and so it wasn't to do it because of our kids, but we did try to model a behavior that they could then have as their own faith and hopefully carry into adulthood and then, you know, marriage and parenting in their own, you know, lives.
1: Our oldest son, Brendan, um, he got married back in September, and they have that foundation um, of the Lord. So they, they're they starting off um, so much farther ahead than we did.
2: I think I was keenly aware that this could have looked a lot differently, you know? Even if he and, and Anna had still met and still got married, you know, the dynamic of of what would have been a a fractured family. So to be able to have walked through that with Kathy, and it's just another sweet reminder that, you know, that God was with us all along, and He, again, He restored us, restored our marriage.
1: God has truly changed the trajectory of our family.
0: It's amazing, you know. We all have a story, right? And God is redeeming and restoring. And, and God's not finished with your story. He's not finished with my story. And whatever's happened in the past, it doesn't define us. It's Christ who defines us. And then we go forward in Him, and we live our lives for His name and for His glory. That's why this, it's by the grace of God, that He invites us into His greater story. I mean, as you look at Ruth and Boaz, there there was a bigger story that was taking place the whole time. And as you look at your life, there's a bigger story that's taking place. And your obedience impacts generations. It's the legacy that you're leaving behind. And are you pointing people to Christ and to Christ alone? The entire Old Testament, the entire Old Testament points us to Jesus. You know, if you were to flip over to Matthew chapter 1, the New Testament begins, and it begins with a genealogy. And I just want to read you a few verses right here at the beginning here of Matthew chapter 1. Here's the entire New Testament, and it begins with this. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Where did we just see that? Ruth. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab. Rahab, the Gentile, that when they came into the Promised Land, she helped out the Israelites. Maybe that's why he had this affection for Ruth. His mom was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth is right there. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and then 14 generations, and then 14 generations, and then Matthew chapter 1, verse 15, Ehud was the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Mathen, and Mathen, the father of Jacob. In verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, and who was born in Bethlehem. Unbelievable. God was writing the story the whole time. And God is at work in your life the entire time. Would you trust him today? Would you say, God, I'm gonna follow you come what may. I don't care. You are enough for me. And I'm putting a stake in the ground at going forward. Maybe for you today, it's a day of salvation. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and my life. I thought I could do it on my own. I know I can't. I need you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, it says in Romans. And maybe for you today is this day to say, hey, I need to be baptized. I need to go forward in Christ. I need to trust him. I need to put a stake in the ground. Maybe for you it's a day to say, I need to work on my marriage. I need to work on my marriage. I need to start at home. And with my children, or my parents, or my in-laws, I gotta start there. God's grace is sufficient, and God is here. And where there is God, there's hope. You know, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he brought his disciples together and says, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you it's all about me, and I'm gonna pay the ultimate price so that you can have an eternal relationship with God. And Jesus took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, guys, this is my body broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. It's a new covenant. Do you know the greatest love story? Hey, Ruth and Boaz, that's fantastic. But the greatest love story of all is God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends and Jesus laid his life down for you. So this morning, we're gonna come to the table. You are invited to come to the Lord's table and invite some of our A6 men and their spouses to move to the tables. There's a gluten-free table over here. There's a table on sides. There's two tables in the back. And I'm gonna invite you this morning in time of worship to come. To say, God, here's my heart. What are you calling me to do? Who are you calling me to be? Because I wanna go forward in you. I wanna be a man or a woman after your heart and I wanna live my life for your glory. God, I'm forever yours. Maybe today it's just be thankful, Lord Jesus, thank you. Today, maybe it's time to commit or time to worship, but this is you and the Lord. Let me pray for us and then you'll invite to come to his table. Father, thank you for your presence. Oh God, you're here right now in this moment. And Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to our lives, Father that we'll be forever changed because of this time with you. Thank you, God, for the gift of your son, Jesus, who binds our hearts together, who shows us that there is hope. Whatever we're facing, God, this is not all that there is, that the best is still to come. I pray over every marriage. I pray over every future marriage. I pray for every parent that's here. I pray for every son and daughter and in-laws, and I pray, Father, for every man and woman that we would seek you, come what may, that we would be men and women after your heart all of our days, because it's by your grace that you invite us to your table. And it's in the beautiful, holy name of Jesus that we pray and we come now. Amen, amen. You're invited to come to his table.